Rumble Stripper Radio, episode 16. Take three. And now, my friend, the first rule of Italian driving. What's behind me is not important. Here comes Cooper on that outside move again. Cooper, outside. Can he pull him off? Matt Cooper with a brilliant move on the outside. No. Alright, third time hopefully is the charm. Uh, welcome everybody to episode number 16. I am your host, The Duke. And uh, welcome to Rumble Strip Radio, where you are on pole position for news, commentary, and opinion of the world of motorcycle road racing in the world. So, take three. As opposed to Dave Brubeck's take five. And trust me, I think I'm going to have to go listen to that and... A little Miles Davis and a few other things to uh, calm down here. I've been trying for two days to get this show out. Uh, problems. Yeah, problems. So what the hell's been going on? Well, you know, the show's about three days late getting out. Didn't get one out last or the second show out last week for follow-up on uh, uh, the Canadian Superbike Series, AMA support classes, and every other thing that was going on in the world so here we are it's thursday late uh early evening quarter to quarter to eight here in little baghdad and um yeah last chance to get one out here so uh no matter how this one comes out it's going out so if it sucks my apologies and if it turns out okay well obviously i burned enough candles and raised enough incense and you know Whatever cosmic karma there is may have uh, trickled a couple drops in my way. So, anyways, um, originally in, uh, well, take one of the show, we had a uh, interview with Liam Schubert from Monday. And, uh, yeah, that got fouled up um, for a couple reasons. Number one, um, what I didn't know is that when you call a Spanish cell phone on Skype that the rate is 27 cents a minute, not two cents a minute. So my Skype account ran out of money. We were about two thirds of the way through the conversation. So it wasn't too bad. We we're going to able to, uh, I was going to able to salvage something out of that. So I, uh, I go back and I go to edit that. And, um, there were problems with the recording which was bad enough as it is, and I had tried to edit it together and spent about six hours editing it and splicing and doing this. And then um, during the mix down, the uh, the audio tracks got all screwed up. So I'm talking when uh, Liam's talking, and there's a time switch and something screwy going on there. So, Which was the second time this happened, because last Friday, 
we uh, we did a MotoGP uh, uh, MotoGP no, we did a motorcycle podcast group recording, and uh, it was a great show. You know, I think we ended up talking for about an hour and forty hour and forty five minutes. And um, I was doing the recording, was going to edit it, and yeah, problems with that. So from uh, from this day, actually from a couple days past, the program that I was using, which was a Skype plugin called, I think it's called Sound Recorder, yeah, no longer being used because it's fouled up uh, two things now, and uh, yeah, we're kicking that one to the curb. So that was, uh, yeah, anyway, so Liam's interview is i still have a raw cut of it but it's all it's all messed up and um skype cutting it out a few times and cut you know cut off what he was saying so yeah lovely 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 and then um recorded the show actually i recorded the the first take before i finished editing liam stuff so i'm like oh yeah liam 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 is gonna be in the show great yeah yeah and then that didn't so i go to record yesterday and for whatever reason for the last three days um yeah so for the last couple days just had like no energy no go whatever like dragging my ass has been dragging all over the place and when i uh when i listened to uh take two it it was horrible because i'm just like yeah whatever bah uh bah it was it was crappy um so i decided to scrap that and uh, we're trying take three now today once i got a few things done and off the honeydew list as as those of you who are married know and what those are all about so anyways enough about me bitching let's get to the show um got a feeling this one's not going to last too long because i'm just literally trying to i'm going to give you the best quality i can and i'm just going to get it out and we're going to get it out and just let it go and uh hopefully um once we get to next week's shows, they'll be better. Uh, a lot of stuff going to go, a lot of stuff uh, happening this week, and a lot of stuff to still catch up on. So uh, before we get to that, let's uh, hit the administrative stuff. Of course, the website, www.rumblestripradio.com. Uh, feedback, email, rumblestripradio at gmail.com. You can also leave comments on the website of uh, rumblestripradio.com. Uh, there is a section there for comments as you look if you look under the show notes and uh, people have done that in the past and thank you very much for all the comments for all the email over the past week and a half i thank you very much and i think i've gotten back to everybody so and if i haven't please let me know i i do my best to get back to everybody so um what else do we got here well today's show basically to set the table uh we're gonna catch up on the canadian super bikes that ran at uh, mont tremblant we're going to touch on, uh, wrap up the AMA at Road America. Then we are now. Then we're going to look forward to um, AMA at Miller, which uh, everyone was uh, should have been out on track today for a track, you know, test day or whatever, uh, or everyone who's allowed to because the factory teams can't. Uh, whatever the rules are this week at the AMA. And uh, the MotoGP circus makes its way to the Circuit de Catalunya for the uh, Catalan GP, uh, just northeast of Barcelona. And, provided I bookmarked it and I can get back to it, um, I have the link for the Google Maps aerial imagery, and uh, I'll put that in the show notes so that you can get the aerial view of what the Catalan circuit looks like. And... Uh, 
if I can do it for the rest of the races. Uh, I, I, oh, I was going to put it. I'll, I'll put a link in for Miller as well, and um, it shows you all the different ways that the track can be set up, so you can look at what they're going to run this weekend um, for the AMA, and it's, they're running what's called the Outer Course. And from the feedback on the Weir board, it seems like everyone really, really likes the track. Um, great facility. In fact, Neil Hodgson said that this is the best track in that he's seen in North America. And they haven't even, well, they tested on it. And I say they haven't even raced on it, but they did test at it. So um, it says a lot of, uh, of what, this, uh, what the potential for this track is. And uh, the people who run it seem to be very enthusiastic about motorcycles and putting on a good show so um as i scan through my notes let's see anything else before we get to the good stuff lots of rumors going on out there about um a lot a lot of different stuff and there's some great articles out there this week and like hell if i can remember what they are because i was sort of doing show prep uh third second or third show prep whatever it is at this point, after I scratch ad, scratch ad, and uh, at, like I said, at this point, we're just trying to get a show out, make sure it sounds halfway decent. Um, the big one that stuck out to me, uh, well, the two things, Dennis Noy has finished his traction control, um, series of traction control articles over at, on uh, Speed, and uh, I got about a third of the way through that, and I haven't had a chance to finish it, but it's Dennis Noyes. It's going to be good. So, uh, Also... Uh, John Ulrich posted something this week about a rumor of uh, spec tires coming to the AMA and that that wasn't, you know, and then people in the AMA saying that wasn't going to happen. So that's, um, I think that's something we're going to touch more on next week. I got a lot of thoughts on that one of why it would be good, why it would be bad. Um, before I get into it, I want to see if I can get a couple people on uh, lined up to talk about it who, who know a whole lot more about tires than I do. So we'll see... Uh, We'll we'll throw a couple lines out in the water and see if anyone bites on that one. And oh, there was one other one, one other thing I just thought of, and now I forgot about it. So it'll come back to me about two minutes after we wrap up the show. Um. Yeah, exactly. So, well, let's uh, let's get to the getting here. Calling all Canadians. Do you ride a bike on the back of a bike or daydream about either one? Do you like to lumber along on a Sunday morning or scrape your pegs in the twisties? Do you like to dodge sand dunes or ford rivers? Well, if you answered yes to any of the above, then why not give a listen to the Twisted Wrist podcast? The Twisted Wrist is the first podcast dedicated to the Canadian rider from a Canadian perspective. So why not toss on your jacket and gloves, lace up your boots, strap on your lid, and plug into the Twisted Wrist? Your ticket to Northern Adventure is at twistedwrist.blogspot.com. The Twisted Wrist, podcasting with a mouthful of bugs. Listen up, everyone. If you ride a sport bike and you're not listening to the Knee Dragon podcast, you're not getting the whole story. The Knee Dragon podcast is motorcycle talk that doesn't suck. We cover all things sport bike related, from superbike and MotoGP racing to the newest street sport bikes, from riding technique to the latest technology. If it affects our sport, it's in the show. So check it out. www.kneedragon.net. All right, so let's uh, take a look back at the Canadian series as they ran at uh, Le Circuit Mont-Tremblant 
um, which is a couple hours north, a couple, three hours north of um, Montreal. And um, and if, those who don't know, that is actually, this, the track is actually owned by uh, the, the Tommy, Tommy Hilfinger. Thank you. I knew I'd come up with it. Bought the track so that he and his buddies could uh, could roll around in their Ferraris, and um, he fixed it up. And at the end of the day, being the businessman he is, he figured that well, you know, let's see if we can actually have this track make some money for me. So um, I have not had a chance to make it up there, but for what everyone tells me, an absolutely beautiful track, a lot of fun to ride on. So one of these days I'll make it up there. Uh, however, the bugs up there apparently are so large they have their own tail numbers. So. That is the one downside, but it's a big, uh, big ski resort up there. So the the winter is actually much more popular than the summer up that way. But there we go. Um, had talked to a couple people who had been at the track, and the one person who I wanted to have on the show is another one of those things that went wrong. Uh, it just I got him, and he was he was on his way out the door basically uh, to head to Shannonville for the reg- for a regional. Uh, race for the race series up there and so we had to talk a lot it, it, it couldn't really format it so it would sound good and he was like yeah yeah yeah, yeah and, and kind of got me some information quickly just so that I could talk about it but uh, but from uh, from the story I get from him it was Jordan Zoke and everybody else in uh, in both Superbike and 600 um, apparently Jordan is just just kicking ass up there um, he's got a lot to prove to a lot of to a lot of people himself, uh, to Kawasaki, to Honda, um, to the world in a sense. Um, for those that don't know, Jordan after for for Jordan Zoak, um, after Harley pulled out of superbike racing, he ran for the Corona uh, Suzuki team. And then uh, for one full year, and then he was doing the second year. Sorry, I'm I'm a little fuzzy. Well, not I'm a little more fuzzy than normal uh, today. So, but and he went to go for to go to one of the races. I think it was after Daytona. And he did not have a U.S. work permit, being a Canadian citizen, and got detained at the border. And uh, I I can't say he wasn't well. He wasn't allowed back in the U.S. for a while, but. I think he, they hired the lawyers and paid off whoever needed to be paid off, and he served, you know, didn't come to the U.S. for like two years or whatever. So I think everything's good. Uh, and I think Jordan wants to come back to the U.S. and race at, at a high level. Um, so there's that. Uh, there's He's had two not-so-good years with the uh, factory Honda team in Canada. And... Um, you know, I think he wants to prove to himself and to everyone else that he's still the guy who won the Superbike title three times. You know, I <laughs> I still haven't looked this up, even though I've third take on this, third time doing this. Uh, but I believe he's won the Superbike title three times. And, in fact, the year that he was originally going to race in the U.S. and he missed the first round, maybe, first round or two of that year, um, he still ended up winning the title. So, uh He's got the talent. Now, the one thing that's maybe the, where the season isn't quite maybe where it should be as far as competition for Jordan is that Pascal Picard is still recovering from his injuries that he suffered down at Barber. Um, and by the next round, 
Um, everyone feels he'll be healed where he'll be able to be back up. He's progressed and progressed, but he's still not quite there yet. But um, it sounded like in the superbike race, if I remember correctly, he kind of he kind of went Doug Poland on everyone, where you know he kept it close for a few for a few laps, and then decided, oh, screw this, and he just checked out on everybody. Um, and the 600 race was was a little more competitive, uh, but essentially the same thing. He at the end of the day checked out on everyone. Now, I'm going to touch on the whole tire thing that I said we're going to put off a little bit because it's important as regards to the combination of Jordan coming together, Jordan's Oak coming together um, with the Kawasaki team. This year, uh, as we've talked about in Canada, they are running the Pirelli spec tire, and it is exactly the same tire that's being run in World Superbike. Now, here's the thing. the Tom Kipp said last year when they were on the Dunlops that the Kawasaki chassis, both the, the ZX-10R and the ZX-6RR, um, that they're a little flex. They got a little flex to them, to the point that especially on the superbike, uh, Tom Kip was talking about on a on a straight, especially a longer straight, that it wasn't possible to go in a straight line because the bike, the the chassis flexed enough that the bike was moving around. Um, and what? Uh, but ever since that they've been testing with the Pirellis, the Kawasaki's have gone gangbusters. So the question is, is why? And it has to do with the construction, the way the, the, the Pirelli tires are constructed. A little softer on the sidewall, and the carcass is a little different construction. And what it's doing, uh, at least the theory is, is that it's acting uh, as additional suspension, and it's whatever harmonics or whatever the chassis has, whatever issues it has, the, the Pirellis are absorbing that. Uh, and is allowing the bike to just fly. In fact, I think Kip's, Kip said the as a, as a continuance of that is that at Barber when they were running down there, he's like, "It's the first time I've ridden the bike and it's gone straight and it's straight." So, yeah. so the question that a lot of you may have is, "Well, wait a minute, Roger and and Tommy uh, on the Kawasaki's in, in the in the AMA series have gone very well. You know, they've won championships." So the story goes, although no one uh, at Dunlop is ever going to confirm it, confirm this, is that essentially, uh, I mean, they've used their compounds, but they've constructed a completely, completely different tire for the Kawasaki's, and uh, that it's essentially almost like a Pirelli tire, uh, and and it's so different that they literally have the, the those guys for Kawasaki have their own tires compared to everyone else in the AMA series. Now, the, what I don't know uh, or haven't been able to get flushed out from a few people is, um, is if the attack team is getting those same tires or whether they're on um, the standard, the quote unquote standard Dunlops, which if they're on the more standard tire, it would explain um, why Benatard and Dave and Buckmaster kind of a little farther back than you'd sort of expect them to be because we know Richard Stamboli builds a killer bike uh, and we know that those guys can ride the hell out of the bike. So I, I sort of have an inkling that they're not getting the quote-unquote good tires. And, uh, of course, Dunlop would never, ever favor certain teams or certain riders with a different spec of tire than maybe, you know, 
somebody else or even someone on the same team. They'd they'd never do that. Nah, that's that's just, that'd be unheard of. So, anyways, so anyways, the uh, it's a combination of uh, the the tires working well with the bike and the rider being super motivated, and uh, it's all kind of gelled together for Jordan, and uh, he's you know marching on his way into. Um, you know, well on his way towards towards the title at this point, but we are only two races into the season. So, uh, Superbike results are Jordan, as I said, taking the win. Uh, Francis Martin in second. Kevin Lacombe was third. Tom Kipp came home fourth. Pascal Picot fifth. Matt McBride sixth. Andrew Nelson seventh. Frank Trombino in eighth. Uh, Jean-Paul Taché in ninth. And uh, Eric uh, Bejour in 10th, Zenon Nelson 11th, and Sean Burgess in 12th. So points stack out like this for Superbike. Uh, Jordan on uh, 106, Francis Martin 80, Kevin Lacombe 79, Tom Kipp 65, uh, Pascal Picot 61. Oops, sorry. Wrong screen. Uh, let's see, Trombino with 48, uh, Bejour, uh, yeah, with 46, you know, I'll, uh, sorry, I'm trying to, there we go, uh, Andrew Nelson also with 46, Taché with 44, Zenon Nelson, uh, with 32, that's your top 10, and in 600, uh, Pro, Hindle Pro, uh, 600, it is, uh, Jordan, uh, with 107 points, Clint McBain, 84. Tom Kipp in third with 70. Kevin Lacombe, 64. Pascal with 59. Matt McBride, 56. Uh, Francis Martin, 54. Andrew Nelson, 48. Trombino, 42. Uh, and Sean Haydoon, 34, along with Zenon Nelson. So, those are your points for the Canadian series. And um, there, next round... Oops, wrong button. Sorry. Their next race is uh, in Calgary at June 30th through July 2nd at Race City Motorsport Park. And then uh, July 14th and 16th at Mossport, where uh, once again, I don't know if I mentioned this in the last show, but uh, for the third year in a row, I will be one of the track announcers at Mossport for the Canadian Superbike race. And uh, we'll be back in uh, turn five at uh, what the corner called Mosses, which is an absolutely great corner. And those of you who can uh, make it up there, you got to come to that track. It's an absolutely gorgeous track. It's on the east side of Toronto, about an hour east of Toronto. Uh, not that hard to get to. So would encourage you all to get there and uh, you have a good time. The Canadian Series, um, you know, hey, it's not the superstar show, but. That doesn't mean there's not some really, really talented riders and some really good racing going on up there. So, anyways, that is the Canadians. Now, let's uh, wrap up the AMA as they uh, they were at Rota, Road America a couple weeks ago. Oops. Oh, that was brilliant of me. I uh, Sorry, I, I went and I uh, pulled something up, and basically what I have is the stuff for Miller... And not the stuff for um, uh, for Road America. So uh, yeah, so I got a, so I basically got a bullshit here for a couple of minutes. Uh, we'll get to that. Well, it's um, 
All right, so I won't pull up all the results and all the points, and, and it'll just fly. Like I said, we're just trying to get the show in at this point. <laughs> we had enough disasters to last me about three lifetimes in the past ten days. So um, let's see. I'm going to get half this stuff wrong, so you uh, remember all feedback and hate mail, uh, rumblestripperadio at gmail.com. And uh, a little fuzzy, I guess a little fuzzy thinking back to some of the stuff, but uh, let's see, Eric Bostrom pretty won, uh, won Formula Extreme, Josh Hayes was second, and um, did DeSalvo finish fourth, I think, so DeSalvo's having some issues. Uh Josh, after a couple races of not looking like he, you know, like he's challenging up there at the front, looked very, very strong. But um, Ebaz just looks like he's in one of those Ebaz zones. So, and uh, he's got he's got all the talent. It's he's kind of like his brother, though. He's just got to be mentally in that spot. And oh, by the way, uh, Ebaz, the the if the, if you saw the TV coverage, the sunglasses that he had which were some very old school, I think like 1987 Oakley, uh, some Oakley shades. They were, oh, God, were those things hideous. I'm like, dude, just because it's old school, like, doesn't mean it's cool. It Ugly is ugly. So, anyways, um, let's see, 600, uh, the 600 Supersport race that was hacking, who pretty much ran away with that. And Superstock Hacking won that race too, right? Yeah, sorry. So, anyways, the point I wanted to make was, or that I took away, is there was some decent racing here and there in the support classes, but nothing that blew me away, um, which is unusual because Road America uh, usually produces some great some great racing. And you see the drafting uh, up the front straight, down, uh, well, I hate to call it the back straight, but essentially the back straight going into five and a bunch of great braking, uh, overtaking on the brakes into five. And you didn't, didn't see that so much. It just, everyone seemed to be strung out. And, and you'd see people uh, coming up the front straight uh, over the hill and right where they're, you know, normally pull out to uh, for a draft and pass. It almost, I mean, it happened here and there, but nothing nothing it looked like everyone was just either even or whoever was in the lead definitely had the motor it just you would think with the draft that you can get that that would be enough and it wasn't just yeah for whatever reason just road america seemed to be a little off this year and i i, I can't tell you why at least that's the feeling that i not being not being there i can't tell you what the feeling was like at the track but just watching on tv that's that's what i came away with um, looking ahead to MotoGP at the uh, Circuit de Catalunya, sort of everything that was for the Italians at Mugello, it's all that and then some um, here at the uh, at the Catalan Circuit. There are absolutely huge, huge expectations for the Spanish riders in all the classes here. Um, for obvious reasons, the the most pressure is going to be on um, on uh, uh, Pedroza and uh, and Gibra now. Now that doesn't mean to say that uh, people like Cheka and 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 Elias and and uh, uh, Cardoso and and others, and especially in the two fifty and the one twenty five class, um, that. That they're not also they're they're not under a ton of pressure. Uh, also, I'm sorry. Before I forget, it 
a couple hours before we went, uh, before I started taping, it was announced that uh, Sebastian Porto, 27-year-old, 250 rider, uh, is retiring, effective immediately. Uh, hasn't had the uh, results that he was looking for, but basically he said, uh, I'm done. I'm going to look for him to come back in a year or so. Once he, you know, it's, it's one of those things, his head's probably just not in the right spot for whatever reason. But uh, at least at this point, Sebastian Porto is, uh, is out. And I don't know if it's been, uh, if any, if, even if it's too late to nominate someone to take over his his ride. Uh, I'm sure by the next race it'll be taken care of. But anyway, so uh, that was 250 news. But uh, as I was saying, huge expectations here for the Spanish riders, and they're going to be under a ton, just a ton of pressure here. So the question is, how will they respond? Now, Pedroza. I think will I mean he's kind of Mr. Cool, you know, everyone calls him uh, you know he's the perfect Honda Honda rider cuz he looks like the Asimov robot out there. Um but according to Liam Schubert, uh this is one of the things we talked about is uh he was at an autograph signing for the opening of a of a motorcycle store along with his manager uh, Alberto Puig. Uh, he actually got him to smile and I asked if the Lions were going to win the Super Bowl. So that's a sorry Detroit joke. Shortly before hell freezes over, the Lions will win the Super Bowl. Anyways, uh, he does like as I said before. He has a, he has a personality. It's just that uh, for a lot of reasons, he's protected himself, and there are just huge, huge expectations for this kid. Um, I think he'll be able to to handle it. And I don't. I'm trying to think of. I originally thought he was going to finish on the podium. Yeah, I think I think I had him finishing third. Um, my podium, by the way, is Rossi one. Edward, uh, no, Rossi first, Nikki second in, in a very, very close race. I think that's going to go down almost to the, you know, last corner making the run to the checkered flag. Uh, yeah, I had Pedroza third, like about a second, second and a half back. Um, who did I have fourth? I think I had Caparossi fourth, um, Stoner fifth, Melandry sixth. I think that's what I had. Then Edward seventh. I think that's what I had in my head. But sorry, it changes by the minute. Uh, I also have Jeeber now crashing out early. Uh, it's one of those things where we go back to the expectations, uh, and and uh, my continued um, thoughts of the mental strength of Sete Jeeber now, and especially under the pressure of the home fans. And it, if he bend it. At a Spanish race, it wouldn't be the first time uh, because he is under a tremendous amount of pressure. Uh, he's expected to be up front. He's on one of, you know, he's on the Ducati, which, okay, people, it may not be the best bike out there, but it's typically one of the fastest. And it's a solid bike. I mean, you know, it's it's up there. But um, I, I I don't think it's going to go well for him. Let's just put that, let's, on my, on my right on two tipping, for first DNF, I do have, uh, Jeeber now being my first DNF. I just think in the first, <laughs> he might bend it on the first corner, to be honest with you. But I think in the first three laps, I have a feeling in the first three laps, he's going to bend it. He'll, he'll, he'll end up in the, in the kitty litter. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Um, anyway, I'm sorry. I was thinking about a couple other things here. Typically Barcelona, uh, the Barcelona race here tends to be a pretty, pretty solid race although if memory serves Rossi kind of 
uh, it was good. And then Rossi just said, bye, bye, see ya, and, and kind of checked out the last three or four. You know, he basically does, does what Valentino Rossi likes to do. Hey, keep it, keep it there, follow some people around maybe. And then the last three or four laps, he shows, you know, look, no, I am that good and wicks it up and takes the win. I don't think he'll be able to do it here. Like I said, I think Nicky is going to give him fits this race. Um, Nick of the last few, you know, with the exception of, of uh, Lamont, where he was like brutally sick with the flu. Uh, he's been up there. He's been getting the sniff in every race. He looks that much more aggressive. I mean, he had some moves in Mugello that I'm not going to say were rude, but they were aggressive. They looked like old school Nicky, like Nicky from the days of the dirt track, Nicky from the days on the superbike, and some of the crazy crap he used to do on a 600 when he was racing with Suzuki. You know, he just putting in spots and like, how the hell did you do that? So um, I think the confidence is there, and it's just getting that. Uh, it's one of those things. He got, he got a victory last year, and it kind of started some good things, and I think it's one of those things. If he can get in another victory, uh, it'll, 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 you know that that next that wall will come down and and then you'll kind of see a flood of flood of even better results but uh, at least at this point with as motivated as rossi is at this point i don't think um i, I don't think he's going to be taken down although i do say it's going to go down to the last corner and, and making the run to the run to the flag so um yeah so, it should be should be pretty good um is it going to be, you know, epic in the sense like Mugello or, although, you know, epic more like, I, I, I still to this day will maintain that Turkey was more epic than, uh, than Mugello, but um, it, it, it should be solid. I mean, that's one of the great things. Uh, listening to some of, like, some of the F1 podcasts and talking about, oh, it was a great race and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that was the most boring pile of shit that I've ever seen. How did you say that was a great? Well, so-and-so came from 14th to 11th. Yeah. And, and how many, how many leads, how many lead changes were there on track and not in the pits? You know, how many, how many real positions were made on the track? Yeah, not many. Okay. So yeah, I actually did try to watch the, uh, formula one race. What was it? Yeah, it was Silverstone. It was, I watched 20 laps and turned it off. I'm like, okay, this is boring. Um, yeah, let's just be glad we're not dealing with that. So uh, we're, we got so so used to Rossi and, and kind of running away that it's almost, well, it wasn't quite as bad as Formula One is. But this year, uh, with people challenging and, you know, uh, four different four different winners this year, it's it's nice. It's It's been good. It's you can't just say, okay, it's Rossi and everyone else. It's even though I'm sort of saying Rossi's, I, I just think he's still got the momentum from Mugello. Um, I think it's good for one more. I think, I think it's good for this. And then when I think, uh, yeah, they go to Aston next and that's going to be different. That's Aston's going to be a funny, I'm not, I'm not sure what's going to happen at Aston to be honest with you. Cause they have changed the track a little bit, um, which, you know, is not always for the better, but, um, it is one of Rossi's favorites. Eh, we'll, we'll, let's worry about Aston next week. And oh, by the way, in case you just to remind everyone, the Aston race is on Saturday. That's one of the things that, in talking with Liam, that he was ta- uh, he was talking about was not only is he coming, not only to get hired um, in in sort of the meat of the schedule here, especially the European par- portion of the schedule, um, but from 
the Catalonia GP to Assen, um, they basically lose a day. So um, no, as far as he knows, there's no testing on Monday at, at Catalonia, which is good because they literally need to pack up and and drive and be at, at Assen, you know, late Monday and Tuesday start setting up because it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday for for Assen instead of, you know, Friday or, yeah, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So, um, so they lose a day and that's going to be fun. Anyways, that's we're again we're jumping ahead. Uh, we should have some uh, some great action here as I as I have the MotoGP site up and looking at a couple things. Uh, as I'm talking here, it's seven hours forty minutes and forty seconds till uh, till kickoff. So should be should be a pretty exciting weekend and actually can't uh, can't wait to see anything. So and let's see what else do we have here. Oh, I think we have this. Check out the next episode of Road Racer Podcast, a podcast about amateur motorcycle road racing, AMA news, and interviews with motorcycle road racers. I'm your host, John Bunt, an amateur motorcycle racer. For more information, check out roadracerpodcast.com. Hey, all you motorcycle nuts out there in podcast land. Are you looking for more moto chat to fill up your time between rides? My name is Prubert, and I am inviting you to check out Motocast. Me and my co-hosts, Nate and Brandon, talk to you about anything from moto product reviews to great roads. And we may even toss in some special guests from time to time. So check us out at motocast.libsyn.com. That's motocast.libsyn.com. We're three riders that really like to talk. And uh, before we wrap uh, a couple things up here, or basically wrap the show up here, uh, AMA, as we said, will be at Miller. Actually, they, as I said, they're uh, in the process of getting things kicked off. And it's going to be one of those things, uh, who the hell knows what's going to happen here. Um, you know, Maladin and Spees to run away with it from everyone else? Yeah, possibly. The Ducatis did go well here in testing. But testing is not racing. Um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter what uh, what series we're talking about. It seems like... With a, with a couple exceptions, a lot of people who tested well in preseason or even during the season haven't done so well during the races. So uh, we'll leave that for what it is and come well tomorrow uh, or to maybe today or maybe last week, depending on when you're listening to the show. Um, we'll see what happens. But, you know, it's it's one of those things for Superbike, at least. you got to say it's Maladin and Spees and everybody else. Um, you know, the Hondas have been making progress. We'll see if that continues. Ducatis, hey, there's a crapshoot. And Tommy on the Kawasaki, well, you got to hope he's doing well. Um, Raj, according to the column that he wrote on uh, Soup, uh, seems like he's getting back into shape and back in action. He's probably a couple weeks still from being at, at full strength and fully healed, but he should be in, in much better shape here. He pulled off a fourth at Road America uh, behind, well, it was hacking and then uh, May and Barney. Uh, for the 600 at least i do remember that portion of it anyways um so he should be up there you know he's again he's trying to minimize the damage to uh that that hacking's doing in the in the points series but anyways um formula extreme you know eric's eric's on a roll no reason to think that won't continue here um uh, uh DeSalvo's got to kind of got to kick it in gear if he wants to uh, keep his points lead out there and Josh Hayes looks like he's back on well I can't say back on form but it looks like his the just look he looks strong again 
Um, so I would look for some good thing. I, I think hopefully Josh will be uh, be able to challenge up front there. Super stock hacking seems to be the class of the field there. Um, yikes can can challenge up there once in a while. We'll see what happens. And then, uh, you know, if Ebos can keep a clutch in the, in the bike and depending on what the salvo decides to do, could be interesting. Maybe not. Who knows? You know, it's one of those things. That's a that's sort of a crapshoot class. But uh, anyways, uh, what else do we have? I think that's uh, pretty much it. Let me sneak in one last promo here. And uh, those of you who probably know, uh, again, Bob Hayes from MotoGP is off now officially to training in uh, in Josh Hayes' hometown of Gulfport, Mississippi, for the next, uh, I think, 12 to 16 weeks, and then uh, is being sent to Iraq for a while. Uh, I forgot how long his tour is. It's like six, I, I don't know if it's six months or an actual year or, or what the deal is there. So we'll, we'll get the information from Bob. But uh, anyways, uh, Jim Race is continuing on with the show, so we'll look for good, some good things from Jace. Jim Race, he's a very uh, able host, and, and you know he'll take over for Bob while Bob's not available. And hopefully we will, we will be hearing from Bob on the show and continue to hear from Liam. And uh, we'll get Liam on back on our show and we'll actually get, him to record, get everything to record and work next time. So anyways. 240 horsepower, 200 miles per hour, two wheels with no roll cage. This is the world of motorcycle road racing, the pinnacle of motorsport. I'm Bob Hayes, host of MotoGP OD, the podcast about motorcycle road racing. Tune in each week as we discuss what's happening in MotoGP, World Superbike, and AMA racing. Race reports, tech talk, opinion, reader email, we have it all. Just go to www.motogpod.com and subscribe. And uh, one last thing before we get out of here for the day. Um, I, um, I'm looking for some feedback to... There was a lot of, uh, how could you not have not heard from the mainstream media about um, Pittsburgh Steeler quarterback Ben Roethlisberger this past week? Um, looking for some feedback from you guys, whether you want to hear uh, my take on a lot of that stuff. And, you know, as much about that as, you know, something about, you know, should he be wearing a helmet and my views on that. Uh, and also how the mainstream media handled that, both good and bad. I uh, can give lots of examples. Uh, I listen to a lot of sports talk radio, so I heard every side of it. And actually, I was able to call into a couple shows and uh, and get a motorcyclist perspective in on that and, you know, kill some of the hysteria. About, oh, it's the donor cycles. You're a moron for riding. Eh, shut the fuck up, okay? Anyways, uh, yeah. So, anyways, send your feedback, rumblestripradio at gmail.com, and uh, let me know whether... Uh, you're interested in hearing some of that? You can also leave comments again on the uh, on the website at Rumblestrip Radio or it's www.rumblestripradio.com. Subscribe to us in iTunes and um, well, pretty much everywhere. Podnova. Are we on Podnova? Yeah, we're on Podnova. We're we're freaking everywhere. I just got something added. We're added to some uh, Australian pod list site. So hey, cool, good with me. Anyways, um, until next week. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the races. Uh, Keep it on two wheels. We'll see you next week.
Rumble Strip Radio is a production of Raul Duke Media, LLC, and is protected under a Creative Commons license. Some rights are reserved.